comfort if we could. Matthew chapter number 26. Matthew chapter number 26. And I want you to look down about verse 36 when you find it. Let's go ahead and stand together in honor of the reading of God's word and get into the message today. Matthew chapter number 26. And I want you to look down to verse number 36. We want to welcome all of our people that are tuning in on live stream. And a lot of our folks are either out of town. It is summer. You look out this morning, you see a lot of empty chairs. It's the summer crowd. A lot of our folks are on the road, but it's a blessing to see even folks when they're on the road, they're tuning in to service. And a lot of our folks are under the weather uh, and some are still not able to come back from the virus. I'm glad to have them tuning in as well. Pray the service will be a blessing today. Matthew 26, <clears throat> look down to verse 36. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and two, the two sons of Zebedee, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that ye enter not in temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this morning, and thank you for the privilege to come back to your house. Thank you, Father, for a dry place that we can come and worship you in comfort, Lord, while the rain is going outside. And well, that's a privilege not everybody in this world, Lord, is able to enjoy. So thank you for that. Thank you for those that are with us today. Lord, thank you for our people that have come out to worship, those that are tuning in, and even visitors that you've sent our way today. Now, Father, as we prepare to preach the message you've sent, I pray that, Father, all of our hearts right now, Lord, would be in unison together, desiring, Lord, to seek and to do your will in the service today. If there's one lost, I pray you'd make that known to them. Make it ever so clear, regardless of how clear I make the message. I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, you would tug at the hearts of those that are lost to see their need to be saved and have a home in heaven. For the saved, Father, draw us closer to you. Help us, Father, to seek to do your will in a better way when we leave here today, or by being obedient to what you send, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've never stopped to count how many times I pray uh, as I'm preparing for, to preach a message. Uh, but I do know that each time that I pray, I pray basically for two things about every service, every message that the Lord gives us to preach. I pray, number one, that God would move. Uh, every service we come to, we can have good singing, and we can pass the plate again, and we can go through all of the mechanical rituals that oftentimes we do in a service, and they all have their place. But if God doesn't move in the midst of our service, that's all that it is. It's a mechanical ritual. It's like the song that we sing, brethren, we have met to worship. It says, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. That means if God doesn't move in our services, uh, then nothing's going to happen because the only thing that can bring about change in the hearts and lives of people is the moving of the Holy Spirit of God and God working in our lives. If you're different here today, if you're saved by the grace of God, and if you're a Christian walking with God closer today than you were yesterday, it's because God in his mercy and grace was willing to move in our life. And for that, we ought to be thankful. The second thing that I pray for is that we would move. 
I pray that God will move, and I pray that so will we, that when God moves amongst the hearts and lives of all those that are here, whether lost to be saved or saved to be more sanctified, walking closer with the Lord, I pray that we will move accordingly. Now, one thing I know when I pray, I know that God's going to do his part. I can always depend upon God to move amongst our service and to use his word. The Bible says his word in Hebrews is quick and living and powerful. That means when we preach the inspired and errant word of God, that the word of God is going to do its job, the Holy Spirit of God is going to do his job, and then all that's left in the service today is for us to decide that we're going to do our job and be obedient to the will and the word of God, whatever that may be. The Bible tells us in John 12, 32, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What does that mean? That means God's going to draw each and every one of us, number one, to salvation, and then number two, to service. I hate to tell you this morning, America's not in the trouble we're in because God hasn't tried to help. Uh, Each and every human being that walks this planet has had an opportunity to either, number one, be saved or as a child of God to become more like God and walk closer to him. America is not in the shape it's in today because God hasn't reached down his hand to try to help us. America's in the trouble it's in today because we have not responded to the help that God wanted to give. All over our country this morning, homes are in trouble. Homes are in disarray. And let me tell you, our homes are not in disarray this morning because God hasn't tried to intervene. I assure you, listen, it breaks the heart of God every home that gets busted up. It breaks the heart of God every home that is simply not what it could be if it were simply pursuing and living by the will of God. It breaks the heart of God. Now, I assure you this. This morning, every home that's in disarray is not in disarray because God hasn't tried to intervene. They are in the shape that they're in because we have not responded when God's tried to intervene. There's not a heart here this morning or a lion that's not filled with confusion that God hasn't offered his peace. Let me tell you what I love about God. I love the fact that God is no respecter of persons. God offers salvation to every man. To whosoever. We had a Bible club this week over in one of the neighborhoods not too terribly far down the road from our church. And I got to share the gospel with some folks who come out to to our Bible club that was there. And I got to share the good news of the gospel that the Bible says whosoever. Whosoever. He died for whosoever to be saved. And for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm thankful God is no respecter of persons. That's in salvation and then even after salvation. God offers his peace, his joy, and his contentment to each and every one of us this morning. Now look, if you're missing that today, it's not because God hasn't tried to give it to you. You're missing it because you didn't respond when he tried to give it to you. And simply put, the hold up is us. You know, we're waiting on God to do something in America this morning. And I hate to tell you, the hold up's us. The promises of God are still good. It's like a check that can be taken to the bank in cash. God is waiting for us to cash them. We cash them through being obedient to what he says we need to do in order to have what he says he's willing to give us that we might have. But if you look at verse 41, we see the problem. I'm not preaching on this. It'll take a little while to introduce the message today, but stick with me. The points are short. Verse 41, okay, shorter. 41, there's the problem. The Bible says the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Too often, God is willing, but we're not. I know, number one, God's willing to save anyone here this morning that's lost. Why? Because he tells us in his word, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I don't know how you get around that. 
I don't know how you get around the fact some folks say, well, only this, this group is, can be saved and God only chose this group to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That sounds like everybody to me, but, you know, maybe you're smarter than me and can explain it differently. But oftentimes the reason we do not get saved is because we are not willing to accept what he offers to us. I'll give you an example, a weird example, but this really happened to me the other day. Uh, we fed the seniors at our house that are, that are graduated uh, just a few weeks ago, two or three weeks ago at our house for breakfast uh, ahead of the baccalaureate service. And I forget what we ran out of. We ran out of something, and I had to run to Walmart before they got there. And I uh, go to Walmart, turn in there by Wendy's, going around that sharp curve. Everybody knows where it is, that sharp curve right there uh, as you come around the corner at Walmart. And I saw something in the road that caught my eye. It was early in the morning, so nobody was really coming up behind me, so I stopped to see what that was in the road because it just stood out as something uh, you don't really see in the road, and I actually stopped to take a picture of it. Let me show you what, what I saw in the road. Turn to the other picture. There's two of them. Give me the other picture. This is the first picture I saw. There we go. There was a crawfish standing in the middle of the road on his way to Walmart. Now, we haven't figured out why the chicken crossed the road, but now we know why the crawfish crossed the road. He was going to Walmart, evidently. And look, you know, it's a busy road. People always coming and going from Walmart. And I thought, you know what? That little guy's going to get squashed. They only have little legs. And he's going to be sitting there trying to get across the road, and somebody's going to come through and run him over. What a shame it would be to waste a good crawfish. Amen? What a shame to waste a good crawfish, even the one that hasn't been boiled yet. At least be good fish bait. And so I stopped there with every intention of wanting to help that crawfish. I stop, open my door, put the picture back up. This is what he does. This is what he does to me. I don't know if he's throwing a gang sign or what, but it looked a little bit like he was mad. Now, I'm wanting to help this crawfish get across the road. I'm like, man, you're going to die. There's cars going to squish you and never think of it. They wouldn't even feel you when they went over you. And he just puts his claws up. Man, he's defiant. He doesn't want my help. And I hate to tell you this. I didn't help him. I said, fine. Go your own way. Went on into Walmart. Got the orange juice or whatever it was that we were getting for the baccalaureate breakfast. Came back out, and I didn't get a picture the second time. But I want to assure you this. He looked a lot different the second time I went through there than he did the first time. Can I tell you why? I was willing, but he was not. I was willing to help, but he was not. I stopped to help. What did he do? Put him up, man. Get away from me. I don't want what you got. And I'll tell you this. He paid because he was willing to push me away when I was willing to reach out to him. Now, why am I saying that this morning? Sadly, this is the case for so many of us today, lost and saved. God comes to us in a church service. He wants to help. He wants to give you what you're missing, what you're looking for. You know what we do to God? We put up our claws. We resist God and we push God away and we miss look, finding what we're looking for. We miss what he wanted to give us and we're the only ones holding up the hope that we desperately need in our lives. You say, well, Brother Jeremiah, it's hard. Listen, it's hard to accept that help because it brings about change in our life. But at some point, can I tell you what you've got to do? At some point, you've got to receive the help that God wants to give you. 
If you're going to be saved, at some point you've got to receive the free gift of salvation that Jesus Christ secured for you on the cross of Calvary. If you want to be saved, at some point, listen, you've got to receive the will of God. He's not going to invade your will with his will. You've got to receive it. Seems like the past four services the Lord's having us preach on the will of God. At some point, you've got to go through whatever you've got to go through to attain the will of God. You've got to be willing to do that if you're going to have the will of God in your life. Now, that may mean this morning you're lost and need to be saved. Listen, you're going to have to turn to Christ. You've got to do your part. I wanted to help that little crawfish, but he didn't want to do his part, and it cost him dearly. If you want to be saved this morning, listen, he's going to draw you. He promised that, but you've got to do your part and receiving the will of God. You've got to do your part and come to him. He said, well, I'm already saved, but can I tell you, even after you're saved, God has a will for your life, and he draws you to his will. He desires you to be a part of his plan and his will for your life. And by the way, there's nothing better than the will of God for your life. I will promise you that. This year's 26 years that I surrendered my life to Christ. Uh, This month, almost 26 years exactly, it was June 1995. And oh, I haven't regretted it at all. Have I had bad days? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have I gotten out of the will of God? Absolutely. But there's nothing like receiving and doing the will of God for your life. But watch this. You're not going to find or fulfill the will of God in your life if you don't choose to. It's not just going to happen by accident. Sooner or later, you've got to make your way toward the will of God, even though it's hard. Now, say, well, how do you get that out of the message this morning? I want you to look down and understand what we're seeing here. Jesus is giving us a beautiful example of how to make our way toward the will of God, even when it's difficult. So what do you mean? What's taking place here? Well, we understand the Bible says in verse 36, they've come to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane really is the home stretch of where Jesus is about to begin bearing the weight of our sin and carrying it all the way to the cross. It's interesting when you look up that word Gethsemane, the Aramaic word is gat semane. It's a fitting name because it means the garden where the olives are pressed. The oil is pressed out of those olives. The garden was a fitting place because as Jesus moved forward in the will of God for his life, he was about to get pressed. He was about to get pressed by the weight of his father's will and the weight of my and your sin. He was about to get pressed beyond measure. And if you look how bad the pressing was, the Bible says in verse 37, he began to be sorrowful. Watch verse 38. Jesus says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Here he is getting pressed The will of God in fulfilling his Father's will is pressing him unto death. You look up that word, it's where we get our word peril from or perilous. He's getting pressed as he goes about to fulfill his Father's will. But watch this. You keep reading. Regardless of how difficult it is in verse 38, watch what he does in verse 39. There's five words that are going to challenge us today to take the next step in the will of God for our life. Now, let me tell you this. I don't know what the next step of the will of God is for your life. I don't know. But I guarantee you, you do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to let you know. These five words are going to challenge you this morning to take the next step in the will of God in your life, whatever it is. Notice what it says in verse 39. He went a little 
farther. Regardless of how difficult it was, he says he was being pressed so much it was unto death. Regardless of how difficult it was, regardless of how his flesh may have wanted to resist it, the Bible says he went a little farther. Now, can I tell you something this morning? I wonder how different our church would be if everyone that's sitting in this room this morning decided... No matter what God leads me to do, I choose in my Christian life today to go just a little bit farther. I wonder what our church would be like. I wonder what our families would be like. I wonder what you'd be like as a dad or a mom or as a Christian teenager if you made up my mind this morning that the will of God in my life is so important that I'm going to be willing today to surrender my will to his will and go just a little bit farther. You wouldn't recognize this church. You wouldn't recognize our homes. The blessings of God, the power of God, the usefulness of God would all be there. But it all begins with us deciding, I'm going to do what Jesus did. And verse number 39, I'm going to go just a little bit farther. Now, folks, look, this is not a complicated message. That's why we took a long time to introduce it this morning. Oftentimes, I think we overthink obedience. Don't overthink this. God just wants all of us today to go a little bit farther. And I don't know what that is, but I believe God will help you today during the message to find your farther. And that's the message today. Find your farther. Let's look, if we could, back in verse 36. The Bible says, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. We see a progression of events. We see him leaving eight behind because Judas is selling him out. He leaves eight behind. He takes the three with him. And he gets to the place where now he's alone and he's exceeding sorrowful. And yet even in the midst of that, he went just a little bit farther. Now, why was he seeking or what was he seeking this morning? What was Jesus doing? Why was he making this trip through the garden? Why was he doing what he was doing? He was seeking the will of God. You say, well, how do you know that? Look at the end of verse 39. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. You see, in order for him to find and fulfill the will of God for his life, he was going to have to go just a little bit farther, even though it was going to be difficult on him. Now, what does it mean when we seek God's will for our life? Seeking God's will for our life simply means this. It means when you decide to do what God wants for your life. When you decide, you know what, I have wants and I have desires, but I desire to do what God wants in my life. Can I tell you something this morning? That's not always easy. Why? Because I want what I want, and I like what I want. But oftentimes what I want and what God wants are on opposite sides. But can I tell you a truth this morning? Whether you realize it or not, every one of us wants God's will. Stick with me. Every person in this room, and I don't know everybody in this room, but every person in this room this morning wants God's will. So how do you know that? Watch this. What is something everybody wants in their life? Everybody wants peace. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants contentment. Everybody's looking for direction. And everybody wants to go to heaven. Well, we agree on those. I know getting a Baptist to agree on a lot is, is difficult, but I think we'd agree on all that, wouldn't we? We all want joy, peace, direction. We want to go to heaven in our life. We want contentment in our life. What does Jesus say? My peace give I you. We go to Jesus for peace because he's the prince of peace. He says, not like the world gives. The world can't give you peace. Only Jesus can give you peace. And so look, if you're going to find peace, you're only going to find it in God's will. 
What does Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Where are you going to find direction? Only from God. So truthfully, whether you realize it or not this morning, each and every one of us want the will of God for our life. But I want you to notice this. When you resist, you miss out on the will of God. When God draws you and tugs you and leads you through his spirit and you resist, you miss out on the will of God. Number one this morning, the reason we need to find what's farther is because farther is where God's will is waiting. Farther is where God's will is waiting. Now hear me out this morning. It's not enough to simply want God's will. There's a lot of things I want in my life that I will never have. You know why? Because I'm not willing to do what is needed in order to obtain what I want. You can want God's will, all that you want, and that's good that you desire that. I believe it begins there. But sooner or later, you've got to be willing to go farther in order, order to get it. Sadly today, I think probably 70% of Christians are missing out on the wonderful will of God. Why? Because they simply were not willing to go farther. The will of God and all that God has planned for you is waiting on the other side of you deciding, I'm going to go just a little bit farther in my Christian walk. Let me give an example, the Apostle Paul. Would you say this morning the Apostle Paul lived a life that is admirable? I would. I mean, as a Christian, if I were going to set sights to be like somebody, if they had posters of Christians to put on the wall, like we do posters of athletes, I would put the Apostle Paul. Oh, you know, in basketball, I want to be like Mike. Uh, but as a Christian, I want to be like Paul. I want to be like Paul. My goodness, what an admirable life, a fruitful life. I would desire to have that. How did he get that? 1 Corinthians 15. Listen closely. Verse 10. Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul says, I am who I am because of the grace of God. The Bible says that his grace was, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Now listen closely. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You know, the Apostle Paul was somewhat of a late bloomer. The Apostle Paul had sent spent a lot, a lot of his life on the wrong track going away from God. And he had a lot of catching up to do. I believe one of the things that motivated Paul was for so long he had condemned and persecuted the church. He said, I've got a lot of catching up to do. So what did he do to obtain the testimony that he had? The Bible says, but I labored more abundantly than they all. What does that mean? That means the apostle Paul says, the reason I have the testimony in 2 Timothy chapter 4, that says, I fought a good fight, I have finished my course. You know what that is? That's the will of God. I have finished my course, I've kept the faith. Do you know how he got that? God just dropped it in his lap. He was sitting in his lazy boy one day, and God says, you want a good testimony, boy? And just drops it right there on him. No, what did he say? I labored more abundantly than they all. The apostle Paul says, I found and fulfilled the will of God by grace and through some grit. Remember that this morning. Finding and fulfilling the will of God for your life is not easy. Jesus says, I am, I'm, I'm perilous. He says, I'm being pressed out of measure. He said, I'm exceeding sorrowful, but what did he do? Verse 39, and he went a little farther. Why did he go a little farther? Because farther is where the will of God is waiting. I wonder this morning what is waiting for you in your Christian life just a little bit farther. I wonder this morning what God has planned for you and what God could do through you in your life and your home if you just went a little bit farther. Listen, I know we live in the South. I mean, and it's comfortable here in the South. Complacency reigns here in the South. We are who we are. Do not try to change us. In some things, that's okay. 
Never let them take sugar out of our tea. We draw the line somewhere. And we never let them put the sugar back in our cornbread. Now, come on, we can't be doing that either. Tea goes in, uh, sugar goes in tea, not in cornbread, you know? I just feel like that's creeping down from other parts of the, the nation, all right? We're in the South, we're complacent, and we're comfortable. We don't want to be changed, but understand this. On the other side of a little farther, you're going to find the will of God for your life. But you're going to have to be willing to grunt through it just a little bit. Jesus was willing to do that for us. Why aren't we willing to do that for him? Matthew chapter 5, you've got to hurry. I told you they were short. I don't want to be a liar. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is outlining his will to his new disciples. They're newly minted disciples, and he's giving them his will for their life. Verse 41, listen to what he tells them. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. You know, the old law said if a Roman soldier compelled you to go one mile, carry his luggage for one mile, then you had to do it. That was the law. He says, but you represent me. And my will for you is that after you finish that first mile, go a second one. You're like, is that where the second mile come from? Yeah, grandma didn't invent that. God invented that. Watch what he's saying. Are you with me? You see where we're going? He says, my will, you got to go farther. It's farther. For some odd reason, we think that because we're not under the law, we're under grace, we get to sin. We're not under the law, we're under grace. No, grace's standard is higher than the law's. The law says go one lap. Look, grace says go two. As a Christian, we have a higher standard. I know we don't like to talk about it, but we do. Now, folks, understand, as a child of God, if you're going to find and fulfill God's will for your life, you've got to be willing to go a little bit farther. Why? Because that's the will of God. You look down at Matthew 5, verse 47, the Bible says this. And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? He says, do not even the publican so. He said, if you wave at people that wave at you, don't you love it when you have somebody who's not from around here who rides with you in a car and you're going down the road and you just wave at cars and they say, you know them? No, well, who is it? I just wave at them. That's what we do. We're born in the hospitality state. That means we wave at people we don't even know, all right? I love it. I had somebody the other day who's not from here tell us they just love the hospitality. Look, it's easy to wave at people that wave at you, right? But Jesus says here, watch this, if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? He says, look, if you love those people which love you, you're not doing anything more that the lost people don't do. He says, my standard for you is that you love them that don't love you, and you salute them that can't salute you back. What is he telling them? He says, the will of God is on the other side of a little farther. If you're going to fulfill the will of God, it's a little bit farther than where you want to be. Now, I have found in my life, I sat this morning in my office writing down the high points and highlights of my life. It didn't take very long, but I, I had a few in there. Junior high basketball championship, 1994. The trophy's still in the case at Seminary High School. I'm going to take my daughter there to visit on our heritage tour one day. But I have found, Brother Jim, thinking about my life, you know, we view a life from 30,000 feet and we see, you know, he did all of this in his life. But, you know, my life is made up of a collection of a little farther's. Let me explain that to you. Got saved as a kid. Holy Spirit tugged on my heart's door, told me that I was lost. I decided, okay, I'm going to take those steps. I trusted Christ as my Savior, and I got saved. A few years later, the Holy Spirit tugged at my heart and says, I want you to preach. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not sure about that. 
believe it or not, I, w- I was kind of introverted. I was kind of a quiet guy. I didn't like talking a whole lot. And I know you don't believe that. It just shows you what God can do. <laughs> Amen? They couldn't get me talking, and now they can't shut me up. I told my dad one time, you ask him. He asked me to lead, the, or he didn't ask me. He told me to lead the singing at his church, and I basically told him I'd rather jump off a cliff than lead the singing at a church. Holy Spirit tugged at my heart, said he wanted me to preach, and oh, I don't know about that. Man, that's scary. It's getting up in front of people and preaching, especially when some people don't smile like some of you don't do. I said, all right, I'm going to trust you just a little bit further. Years later, he says, I, I want you to become a pastor. I'm like, oh, no. I see what my dad went through as a pastor. Man, it's tough. I don't want to, I want to be an evangelist. Evangelists get to travel around, stir up the hornet's nest, start a fire, and leave. What an awesome job. You know, you don't have to deal with, with any troubles or anything. You just start the fire and run. The pastor's there to clean it up. But no, he called me to pastor. Oh, Lord, look, I surrendered to preach, but I don't know if I want to go that far to be a pastor. But I said, okay, I'm going to trust you just a little bit farther. And the Lord called us to plant a church, and I trusted him there. And then the Lord called us here, we trusted him there. And I look back at my life, look, God didn't unroll the picture when I was 15 years old. God has just led me a little farther at a time. And I look back at my life this morning, look, I'm not perfect. But oh, my soul, I've had a good life a little farther at a time. A little farther at a time. And this morning, well, listen, we are, we are fretting about God wanting to lead us to do something outside of our comfort zone, and you have no idea the peace, joy, and contentment you're looking for is just on the other side of going a little bit farther in your Christian life. Some of you this morning may be lost. You've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Oh, you don't know what you're missing. Oh, you don't know what you're missing, especially in the world we're living in today. I read a story about a billionaire CEO, and he was asked one time about his secret to success. How did he get so far in his life? And he said, look, you've gone through hostile takeovers. You've gone through all of these you know, economic uh, collapses and all of this. How did you continue to make it? Wonderful, wonderful story. He said, it's a lesson I learned back on the farm with my dad. He said, as a kid, my dad would ask me to go put the animals up after dark in the corral. The corral was a long way away from the house, and it was frightening to walk through there at night. We've all been there. Listen, some of his children, maybe even as adults, you know, you don't want to go out there in the woods. It's kind of scary. He said, so my dad gave me this lantern. And dad said, son, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go on the back porch, and you hold that lantern. And when you hold that lantern, it's going to shine enough light as you stand on the back porch for that lantern to reach over to the water well. He says, okay, you walk from the back of the house over to the water well. Just walk in that amount of light that you have from that lantern. He says, when you get over to the water well, just stand there, and now that lantern is going to shine just a little bit farther. That lantern is going to shine all the way over to the windmill. He says, so what you do is you walk in that light just a little bit further, and next thing you know, you'll find yourself going from the house to the well to the windmill. He said, when you get to the windmill, you stand there and you look, and the light is shining out from that lantern. The next thing you know, you look, you look up, and there's the corral. And just walk in that light, go a little bit further. He says, the next thing I know, I was at the corral a little bit at a time. Here's our problem. We want God to shine a spotlight all the way to the end. God, I want to know what your whole will is. I'm not surrendering one second until you tell me what's going to happen the rest of the hour. God says, no, just go a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, and slowly but surely you'll find yourself fulfilling the will of God. How? A little farther, a little farther, and a little farther. How did David become David? He trusted God a little farther at a time. A lion came, took his dad's sheep. He trusted God. 
God got him through. A bear came, got one of his dad's sheep. What did he do? Trusted God a little bit farther. And lo and behold, he looks up and there's a giant. He says, well, I trusted God a little farther, a little farther. Might as well trust God a little bit farther more. And God got him through. How did David become David? A little farther at a time. How did Joseph become Joseph? How did he become second command in Egypt? A little farther at a time. Oh, Joseph's brothers roughed him up, throwing him in this hole. He's sitting there looking up out of this hole thinking, well, that wasn't very nice. I know none of us would ever throw their siblings in a hole, but they did. You know what he did in that hole? He trusted God. See, how do you know that? Because at the end of his story, he says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He knew God was working even down there in the hole. He said, God, I'm just going to trust you here. They pulled him out of the hole. They sold him as a slave, and he's on his way to Egypt. I'm just going to trust God a little farther. He got thrown in the prison. I'm just going to trust God a little farther. And lo and behold, look where he makes it a little bit farther at a time. I'm going to hurry, number one. The reason you ought to be willing to go a little farther today is because farther is where God's will is waiting. And I wonder this morning, how many of you this morning are missing out on something wonderful simply because you won't go just a little bit farther? Number two, here's what's interesting. When you read chapter number 26, you see some amazing things that are taking place. You see Christ in Bethany getting anointed and honored You see him enjoying sweet fellowship as he institutes the Lord's Supper. The Bible says they sang a song together, and they were having an impromptu, if you will, divine prayer meeting here in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, it had been a wonderful night. But what was about to transpire is enough to scare anybody away from wanting to do the will of God. This is why we're so hesitant when God knocks on our door. Watch this. Number two, farther is beyond where you've been. Farther is beyond where you've been. The moments prior to this moment were sweet. They were comfortable. He had sat down and been anointed and honored. He had sat down for a meal with his disciples and enjoyed the fellowship of their company, instituting the Lord's Supper. The Bible says they had a song service together, and now here they are at the garden having a prayer meeting together. You know, those are things I like to just enjoy, don't you? I enjoy singing, I enjoy fellowship, obviously I enjoy eating together. Certainly I believe this morning what was behind him was more comfortable than what was before him. And therein lies probably the greatest deterrent to the will of God for our lives. It's called a comfort zone. Now watch this. Christ is going about to fulfill his Father's will. In order to do that, he's got to go a little bit farther. But oftentimes, the reason we don't go a little bit farther is we don't like to go beyond where we've already been. We like to stay in the comfort zone of our life and who we are and what we enjoy. And the sad thing is we're missing out on greater joys, enjoying temporal joys. I've met a lot of kids here in the South. It just amazes me. Uh, They've never left the state of Mississippi. Don't get me wrong. I love the state of Mississippi. I was born here, great state, thankful for the people and the hospitality. But there's some neat things outside the state of Mississippi. There's mountains. There's real oceans. All right, no offense to the Gulf, but there's real oceans out there, real ones with shells on them. They didn't have to import and scatter. I'm sure that the Chamber of Commerce of Gulfport goes down there once a day with a truck that just scatters shells out there just to make it feel like a real beach. But in order to find those things... You've got to leave the borders of where you're already at. 
But so often the reason we don't pursue the will of God, listen, I believe that's probably the greatest enemy to fulfilling the will of God. You ask me, what's the greatest enemy to people finding and fulfilling the will of God in their life? So, well, immorality, yeah, yeah, I'm sure that's there. Unfaithfulness, yeah. I think it's contentment, satisfaction to stay exactly where we are. I want you to think about Saul this morning when David came and was about to kill Goliath. Why didn't Saul do that? He was the king. That was God's will that he lead those men into battle. Why was Saul so hesitant? I think he was uncomfortable with the idea. He's a little bit bigger than me. Man, his spear is as a weaver's beam. You know what Saul said? I'm just going to stay right here in the comfort of my little army tent. That's where, by the way, most Christians are at today. We're camping out in the comfort of what we know, and we're afraid to go beyond where we've already been, and we're missing out on what God wants us to do. Why did the disciples abandon him shortly, by the way? When they come to arrest Jesus, immediately following what's happening here, the disciples forsook him and fled. Why? Because things got uncomfortable quick. All of a sudden, here they come with arms and weapons to arrest Christ, and next thing you know, they're scattering. Why? Situation just got uncomfortable. I was at a Bible club years ago, Prentice, Mississippi. It was a little cul-de-sac. Went down there to have a Bible club with these kids, and we're gathering up kids. We're going to preach to them for a minute, sing some songs. And this guy walks out of this house by the name of Tony, and Tony says, you need to leave. And I says, why do we need to leave? He says, well, he says, you just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, believe it or not, I have a, a, a small sliver of pride within my flesh. I know you wouldn't believe that, but it's in there. It's in there. I said, well, Tony, I'm not going anywhere. These kids need to hear the gospel, and I'm going to share the gospel with them. He says, listen to me, man. You're in the wrong place at the wrong time. I said, no, it's the right place at the right time always to share the gospel. I was ready. He says, turn around. I turned around, and behind my little red PT cruiser that was cool back then, there was a line of cars that was not there when I parked. There was fixing to be a street fight. We're talking about a doozy. Next thing you know, I turn around. That pride, it's gone, dissipated. I see all these guys walking down the street, and evidently they just want to settle things the old-fashioned way, line up, scrap it out, and whoever survives wins. All of a sudden, <laughs> amen, Brother Jim. I think Brother Jim was in there with him. I think I declare I saw Brother Jim pull up on his motorcycle. It got uncomfortable. All of a sudden, that spiritual fortitude to share the gospel was gone. I started thinking about really creative excuses. You know what? I'm responsible for these children. I need to get them in the car. Their parents would not want me to expose them to this danger. We got my PT Cruiser. We left and went and got a snow cone. What happened? Got uncomfortable. All of a sudden, things get uncomfortable. The will of God's the first thing to go, isn't it? Oftentimes in our life, things heat up just a little bit. Get a little bit of persecution at our job. A little bit of persecution in our home. Somebody talks bad about us because we're living differently, because Christians do have a higher standard. We covered that. And all of a sudden, things get a little warm. The first thing to go is the will of God. And rather than choosing to go a little bit farther, we choose to go back where we've always been. And you miss out on the will of God and what God desired to do in your life because you choose to stay put where you've always been. Number two, you need to go farther because farther is beyond where you've been. 
in order to find what God wants to do in your life that he's yet to do in your life, you've got to be willing to take those steps. Hebrews eleven twenty five. I'll hurry. Moses, the Bible says, chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Can I tell you why God used Moses? Oh, this is wonderful. God used Moses because Moses was willing to do what was uncomfortable. So how do you know that? Well, the Bible says he's choosing rather to suffer affliction. Moses chose to do what was uncomfortable, and boy, God used him. I wonder what God could do with us if we were just willing to be a little uncomfortable from time to time. Number two, it's beyond where you've been. I read an interesting story just this morning on D.O. Moody. D.O. Moody, great preacher in Chicago, just God used that man to shake this country with the gospel of Christ. D.O. Moody said that he had two ladies walk in his office one time and told him, we are praying for you. At this time, D.O. Moody had the largest church in Chicago. People saved every Sunday, additions to the church every Sunday. God was working in a mighty way. And these two women had the audacity to walk in his office and say, we're praying for you. True story on his account. He says, I asked them, whatever for? They says, well, you need the power of God on your life. He goes, you don't think I have the power of God on my life? They says, we're still going to pray that God would give you more power. He says, when those two ladies walked out of the room, his heart was smitten because God was blessing, the church was growing, and he had grown comfortable. I mean, it's comfortable seeing people saved. Man, we had two saved today. Hey, what if God wanted to see three saved next week? It may require somebody leaving their comfort zone and going a little bit farther beyond where they've ever been. What could God do with us this morning if we just went a little bit farther? I'm going to let God take me beyond where I've ever been. I'll give you this before we close. Matthew chapter 17. There was a dad, and oh, he was desperate. This dad had a son. The Bible uses the word lunatic. He was a lunatic. He was always falling in the fire, foaming at the mouth, this young man. I mean, what a, what a tough thing to have to watch as a dad. And he took that young man to the disciples. And he says, can you heal my son? The disciples had healed a lot of people. God had used them and through his power to heal. And yet they could not heal this man. He brings him to Jesus and he says, I brought him, him to your disciples and they could not help him. Later on, Jesus and the disciples have a talk about it, and they ask him, why couldn't we heal that man? Here's what Jesus said. He said, this kind, this ailment, this infirmity, this trial that this young man is going through, he says, cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. Here's what he's saying. Look, he said, I know you healed that one with that power and you healed this one with that power and all of that, but this kind's going to be a little bit tougher. You're going to have to do a little bit more. You're going to have to have a time of prayer and a time of fasting. What was he telling? If you want to be used of me more to reach more, you've got to be willing to go farther. The sad thing is, watch this. We will never go a lot farther because we will never go a little farther. Are you with me? God wants to take us a lot farther. Look, God has blessed Central Baptist Church for over 70 years. And we've seen God work. People saved. People riding the buses. I, it's hard to run across somebody up and down the streets of Hattiesburg that hasn't ridden a bus to Central. What a blessing that is. Do you know it's easy for us to get content? We've got a great church. Our building's paid for. We've got great people. Now we're passing the plates again. I mean, things are going great. Be careful with getting comfortable. 
Because you'll find that your life is limited by your contentment. That's exactly what the disciples had. He said, you're going to have to do a little bit more for these. So number two, the reason you ought to go a little farther today is because farther is beyond where you've been. And then finally, and this is the close, perhaps the greatest hindrance for Christ. Notice the Bible says, verse 38, my soul is exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death, tarry ye here and watch with me. The Bible says he went a little farther. Probably the reason most of us will refuse today to go a little farther toward the will of God in our life is because we're scared of where it may lead. Do you know why it was exceeding sorrowful for Christ? Because of the burden he was bearing, knowing where this was going to carry him. You see, every step that he took farther was one step closer to the cross. What was the cross? The cross is where he would lay down his life for the sins of all mankind. Now hear me out. The truth of the matter is the reason we resist going farther in the will of God is because we know too it's going to cost our life. Number three, the reason you should go a little farther today is farther is closer to the cross. Farther is closer to the cross. I don't agree with the devil often. I try not to. I love disagreeing with him. I love defying him. I love making him mad. He loves making me mad too. It's a mutual relationship we have. Satan, through the lust of our flesh and the feelings of our flesh, convinces us of this. He's probably already told you this this morning. If you go a little farther, it's going to cost you more of your life. And like Christ... Right now, you're exceeding sorrowful. Why? Because you know where this is leading. And can I tell you something? When the devil tells you that, he's right. He's right. You know, Jesus would say, they that save their life will lose it. And those that lose their life will find it. This morning, you ought to go a little bit farther. Why? Because, as John says, he must increase and I must decrease. A little farther means less of me and more of him. And one day you get to Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. You just keep giving a little farther, a little more, a little more, a little more. And one day you're like Paul. You've made it all the way to the cross. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, the Bible says, live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me. And gave himself for me. Can I tell you this morning the reason you ought to go a little farther today? Is because it gets you closer and closer to the cross. A little less of you. A little more of him. Do you know what our world needs to see today? I can promise you what it doesn't need to see. More of us. It sees too much of us. Sometimes we even have the audacity to put it on social media. All right? Do your pastor a favor. Don't post things he preaches against, all right? It just makes my life easier and I sleep a whole lot better. You don't have to. I'm just saying, look, if you value my life and my hair, all right, don't post that stuff. The world sees too much of us. No wonder they don't want what we have because they see our life and they see us living for ourselves and they don't want what we have. 
But oh, look, if we just went a little farther today, as Paul said, to die daily, a little bit more of me is going to die today. I'm going to make my way toward the cross just as Jesus did. And when I lose my life, that's when I find it. A lot of you think that when I take a step closer toward Christ, oh, I'm losing my life never to get it back. Oh, no, what an investment. You invest what you can't keep to gain what you can't lose. Isn't that what the missionary Jim Elliott said? He is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And the more we die, the more we live. That's why you ought to be willing to go just a little bit farther this morning. I wonder, I really do, I wonder what is waiting for you today. Just a little bit farther. A little bit farther. I know one thing, it's the will of God. God has a wonderful will for your life. Number one, if you're lost, he wants to save you today. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. He wants to save you today. Are you willing to go a little farther toward him? Maybe this morning you're saved, and yet you're scared to death of the will of God. Oh, if you just go a little bit farther, you'd find something that God has prepared for you where your life becomes a witness for him, and there's something waiting for you in glory. Most importantly, the further you go toward the cross, the more like Christ we could become. And this morning, this world desperately needs to see the Christ that we've professed with our mouth. They need to see it possessed with our life. But you're not going to do it if you're not willing to go a little farther this morning. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Let's stop there and let's stand. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. You say, Brother Jeremiah, it's hard. That's why Jesus said, I'm exceeding sorrowful. He says, the will of God is not easy. And yet he left us a beautiful example. He went a little farther. He said, if I can go a little farther, you can go a little farther. Now, can I ask you this morning, what's on the other side of a little farther for you? Is it a closer walk with God? Is it salvation this morning? Why don't you be willing to get out of your comfort zone? To go beyond where you've been for years and take steps in the will of God for your life so that you could become more like Christ and be used more of by Christ. Our Father, I thank you this morning for your word. And Father, what a, what a horrific event we read about today as Christ begins to bear the load. He begins to become pressed under the weight of our sin and your will. But Father, you put us a beautiful, beautiful little five-word encourager there today to show us that, Father, regardless of how difficult, we can go a little farther because our Savior, Lord, has blazed the trail for us. If there's one here lost today, Lord, and they're hesitant, I pray, Lord, you'd help them take steps toward your will and trust Christ as their Savior. For the saved that are here today, and I'm sure, Lord, it's, it's most of the folks that are here, I pray, Holy Spirit, you've tugged at their heart. That, Father, they'll find the next step in the will of God for their life, that they'll be willing today, regardless of having to leave their comfort zone or the difficulty, they're going to go a little farther today and take the next step in your will for their life. That, Father, they could become more like Christ and be used of Christ. Bless the invitation today. Help us, Father, be obedient to your will. Father, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The altar's open this morning. Our counselors are down front. Sometimes it's easier to go a little farther when you